0: chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you might proclaim the mighty hearts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, into his marvellous light, into his marvellous light, into his marvellous light, into his his marvellous light, Good morning. It's good to be with you, and it's good to be sharing in uh, this new step along the journey of being together, and uh, we look forward to gradually sort of exploring this even more. It's just great to see people here in the room this morning. It's going to be different talking to a room as well as talking to those of you who are on camera. Uh, We're continuing our series uh, on being together, what it means to be the church in the day and age in which we live, and in an individualistic world, it's very easy to say, I can pray on my own and God hears me, so why should I pray with others? This morning we're looking at what it means to pray together. So we believe in personal prayer, but there's also a place for corporate prayer. Jesus spoke of the importance of corporate prayer when he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. It wasn't a a house of worship, it wasn't a house of preaching, it wasn't a house of fellowship. All of those things are good, uh, but he said a house of prayer. And I think that means that in Jesus's mind, uh, that makes it a number one priority. That one of the, the things that is most important for us as a people of God is that we pray together. We are a house of prayer, and indeed a house of prayer for all nations. The early church was born out of a 10-day prayer meeting as they, they waited for the Spirit to come, the Spirit who had been promised. And, uh, and after that, they didn't stop either. It says in, in Acts 2, verse 42, that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. They continued steadfastly or devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Prayer was an important part of the early church's life. Prayer is the very backbone of the book of Acts. It runs through it like a, a golden strand. And uh, they were very intentional about it. So we find in Acts chapter 3, for example, Peter and John going up to the temple to pray at the regular time of prayer. There was intentionality about their praying as well as a spontaneity. So prayer runs right the way through the book of Acts and we could spend our time there. So we need to remind ourselves uh, uh, that there is power in personal prayer. If there's something that the enemy likes to attack, it's prayer, because he knows the power of prayer. So we need to remind ourselves that there is power in personal prayer, and there is greater power, and I want to put it that way, there is greater power in corporate prayer when people come together to pray. Jesus said, if two of you are agreed about anything that you will pray about in my name, it will be done for you. So there's, there's something about personal praying in the name of Jesus, but there's something more about corporate praying in the name of Jesus. And if there's anything that the enemy loves to do, it's just to discourage us from praying both personally and corporately because he knows, as I've said, the power of prayer. And the, the old saying still remains true, that Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. So you may feel totally weak, and that's okay with God, because you with God can do great things. When we pray in our weakness, great things happen. It's not about us having to be strong, it's finding our strength in him. It's encountering him and hearing him and responding to him. So Satan trembles when he sees the the weakest saint upon his knees. But I want to say more than that, Satan is mortified when we pray together because he knows that there is a greater power in our getting together, whether it's in twos or threes, or whether it's as a church community. He knows that there is power in united prayer. And that is why he seeks to stop it. That is why he seeks to throw things across our path to put us off coming when we have a prayer meeting. Those little distractions that suddenly they weren't there before and suddenly they're there and they're, oh no, actually I better stay at home and do this or do that or the other. Uh, There is tremendous power in united prayer. And I want to to share some of this with you as we go along this morning. So I have six, I put it, brief points uh, that we should pray together. And uh, so number one, praying together is the powerhouse of the church, It's like the boiler room, and history testifies to it. Corporate prayer time and time again has been the secret to to God's blessing, to to mighty moves of the Spirit of God, to, to revival, to the outbreak of revival in different places at different times. When God's people get together and pray, things happen. When they don't, they won't. That's a, that's a good way of summarizing it. When God's people get together to pray, things happen. And when they don't, they won't. Let me share with you a little bit of history. Because being a Christian, we have a heritage. And I think it's good to celebrate that heritage and look at how God has moved within our history as the people of God. I want to begin in 1727 on August the 27th. 1727, 24 men and 24 women from the Moravian community of Hernhut in Saxony, covenanted to spend an hour each day in scheduled prayer. And little did they realize that it would become a round-the-clock prayer meeting that would last 100 years. And that by 1791, they would have sent out 300 missionaries into the world. And that's even more marvellous and miraculous when you realise that at the beginning of 1727, the community of about 300 people was absolutely wracked by dissension and bickering. And suddenly, as these people covenant together in prayer, God moves in their hearts and transforms their lives. And the power that is released in missions is enormous. The revival that took place under the brothers John and Charles Wesley in the 18th century impacted both the length and the breadth of this nation and also the United States of America and saw many, many people swept up into the kingdom of God and the the birth of the Methodist Church, which was born in and continued through prayer. This mighty revival that took place and several different people involved in it, both here and overseas. Think of Charles Spurgeon, known as the Prince of Preachers. He, he had a church in London of 6,000 people in the latter half of the 1800s. I mean, that is huge. We think that's a big church by today's standards. but. In those days, that was enormous to have a church of 6,000 in London in the latter half of the 1800s. Quite something indeed. When people would ask Spurgeon, "What what was the secret of your ministry? Why was it so successful? He would take them down to the basement of his church and he would show them the secret. There were people praying throughout the whole time. On the day of his funeral, 100,000 people lined the streets. Such was the influence and the impact of his ministry, a ministry sustained by a praying church. Such is the power of prayer. And I'd encourage you to, to go away and read some of these stories in your own time, because they're so stirring and so motivating. The Welsh revival of 1904, 1905, that swept through Wales and spread into England and Scotland and saw an estimated 100,000 people converted in Wales alone and an estimated million people across the United Kingdom, across Great Britain. It was born in prayer as people once again hungry for God met together to seek his face. The Pentecostal outpouring of the early 1900s was born in prayer again as people hungry for God, desiring to to know the reality of God, not just words, but desiring to know him in power, in presence and in power. They prayed together. They sought God's face. They sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it would become a phenomenal worldwide church planting and missionary movement numbering millions upon millions I mean, it is phenomenal. You go to the Hebridean revival of 1949, 1952, which took place during a time of despair and and depression following the Second World War. There was no hope. People just were lost and engulfed in the sense of lostness. But there was a mighty revival that took place as they began to seek God. They began to pray and seek his face. And out of travailing prayer, there was brought forth revival, renewed hope, and and a bold and zealous faith. Go and read the story. I mean, it's just amazing. There are so, so many stories to tell here. And even as I was preparing this, I was tempted to put this one in and that one in and another one. Because there there are loads of them. When God's people pray, things happen. When they don't, they won't. Yeah, that's what we need to know. And that's what we need to remind ourselves of. Prayer is the powerhouse of the church. Without it, the church dies. But by it, the church thrives. History testifies to it, and every generation must learn it. And it may be that you've been growing up in church. It may be that you've grown up with faithful parents and, and, and you've just grown up amongst the things of God, but you've never encountered your God for yourself. You've never been into that place of prayer where it's like you're in the presence of God. I would encourage you to hunger after him and thirst after him because he will fill you as you respond to him. Secondly, praying together is the expression of our corporate dependence on God. We thank God for every gift, every talent that he gives to us as a body of his people, as Barney has already expressed. But there is a a very real danger in the age in which we live that we we become self-confident. We become self-assured. We become self-reliant. And and when we become self-reliant, self-confident, we end up doing things in our own strength. We learn how to do them. and So I know how to do this. and, And that can apply to preaching and leading worship as well. And so we do it in our own strength. Prayer goes out the window. And so in a self-assured and self-confident generation, we need to to hear that. When the church forgets it, however gifted and talented we may be, the river dries up. The glory lifts. The worship becomes ordinary. Preaching becomes dry. Evangelism loses its impetus. Praying together then is the expression of our corporate dependence on God. I need God. You need God. We need God. We can can do church. We kind of know how to do church, but we can do it without God, and that's not good. And we need to press into God as a church community to know his presence and power amongst us. Number three, praying together is the place where we do life together. Maybe you've not thought of that. It's a crucible, actually, in which we are transformed from one degree of glory to another as we pray out the realities of our everyday lives. Because when Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, he didn't just say, go away and do it on your own somewhere. He imagined them doing it together Because he is our Father. So we we pray together to our Father, not just my Father, it's our Father. And when you, you look at that prayer, it's give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. It's corporate praying. It's standing with one another, alongside one another. In prayer, we just come alongside one another as brothers and sisters, not, who have any, not those who have anything over one another, but in the grace of God, we come alongside one another and we pray for one another. We, we stand with one another. We confess our sins to one another. We offer and we receive forgiveness. We acknowledge our, our weaknesses and we, we pray for God's strength. We, we bear one another's burdens in prayer. We pray for one another's needs. We we bring God's healing power into one another's lives. We fight for one another together in prayer. Amen? So corporate prayer keeps us up close with one another. It keeps us in relationship with one one another. And the old adage with regard to marriage, those who pray together stay together, can equally apply to the church. If we're not praying together together, The enemy can get in, and he can separate us out from one another. Prayer is part of our fellowship. It's easier to grow apart when you don't pray together. So prayer, praying together, is the place where we do life together. Praying together, fourthly, brings the fullness of the Spirit and enables us to keep in step with the Spirit. Time and again, uh, we see this in the Scriptures. We see it in church history. Paul exhorted, even commanded the Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit. It wasn't an option for them. This is not an option or extra for the really enthusiastic Christians. This is something for every brother and sister in Christ. It is a command to us all to be filled with the Spirit. But it's not just an individual command. It is a corporate command that we as the people of God should be filled with the Spirit together. We should encounter and be filled with the Spirit together. Not to get Drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. The context in which he was writing was the church being together. Not just me and Jesus. That's good for, for us to get along with Jesus, but it's not just me and Jesus, it's us and Jesus together. They were together speaking to one another. And something happens then in the gathered community. Time and again in church history, we we see this corporate filling, this corporate encountering and filling with the Holy Spirit in times of revival. Evan Roberts, at the beginning of the Welsh Revival, taught people to pray, send the Holy Spirit now. And my, when he came, he came in power. He came in glory. And, and what a revolution took place as that, that revival transformed the lives of people in Wales. And so through prayer, we are filled with the Spirit together. We encounter Him and are filled with Him together. And, and secondly, in that, we, we learn to keep in step with the Spirit. A little bit like I was saying last Sunday with regard to preaching. It helps us to keep in step with the Spirit. Because there are two aspects of walking in the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, it has both the individual aspect where I will walk according to the Spirit, and there is that corporate one later in the chapter where it it doesn't come out in our English versions, but it's there in the Greek where we walk together in the Holy Spirit. And we do that as a community. And so as we learn to pray together, we, we learn to keep in step with the Spirit together and we march forward as a mighty band of people who can put the enemy to flight and see great things done in his name. And then number five, praying together is essential to hearing what God is saying to the church. Prayer isn't a one-way street. Maybe your prayer life has got a little bit like a one-way street where you, you, you it's a bit like your shopping list. You know, you, all those things you've got to get at Tesco's or Sainsbury's or wherever it is you shop and you, you go in and it's, it's going down this aisle, that aisle. You know where the things are and you just put them in the basket and you, and you get to the checkout and you check out. That's it. Maybe your prayer life has got like that. And that's, that's why it's dry. That's why it seems such hard work. You, you're not meeting God in it. You know, and it's just become a list of requests. God, I've got this problem that I'd like you to sort out. God, I've got this need I'd like you to meet. And God, there's this person over there that needs some answer. God, there's this, there's that, and the other. And there's no encounter with God in it. It's just running through a list of things. Prayer is a a two-way conversation, a place where we need to be open to the voice of God, open to him directing us in our praying showing us how to pray, even burdening us with prayer and following the burden until it is released. There's one thing I think we need to learn as I studied this afresh and I feel really challenged in it because so much praying today is about in the moment and, and, and swift prayers. And yes, there are arrow prayers, but there, when you read these stories, they prayed through, they travailed in prayer, they met together and they sought God until he came. come. They sought God until there was a dramatic answer and so on. So it's not just a one-way street where we get to say everything. We need to listen to God. And true prayer involves that listening. It involves hearing and responding to the prophetic voice. When we gather, therefore, we should be open to the Holy Spirit. How does he want us to pray? What has he got to say? And in Acts chapter 13, as we read of the leaders there, they were gathering together. They were seeking God in prayer. And as they sought God in prayer, they were in his presence. The Spirit spoke. And he said, separate unto me Paul and and Barnabas Barnabas for the the mission, for the work that I have called them to. And so out of that time of prayer together, God speaks, They, they hear and respond and they lay hands on Paul and Barnabas and they send them out into gospel mission, into kingdom activity. Amazing, isn't it? The power of prayer. The power of united prayer. And number six... Praying together attracts the tangible presence of God like nothing else. Praying together attracts the tangible presence of God like nothing else. When people meet together in unity to pray, to really pray, God shows up. And... As I've been reading, reflecting on church history again, church had become dry so often as a new generation had arisen with the ch- in the churches and not encountered God in the same way. And they, they were going through the motions. They were doing church. They were doing all the, all the right things, but God wasn't there. They believed the right things. They were saying the right things. They were doing the right things, but God wasn't there. And they got hungry for God. Time and again, they got hungry for God. God, where are you? God, come by your spirit. And so they would covenant together, to pray together, to keep on praying and keep on praying until God showed up. It's a modern phrase we use with with regard to God's presence, but it's right there, right through church history, time and again. They would covenant together to seek the face of God. They weren't going to just stick with all the normalities. Yes, everything was, in many senses, good and right in what they were doing, but God wasn't there. And if God's not there, nothing's happening. So time and again, they would covenant together, to pray together until God showed up. The revelation of his manifest presence. Nothing attracts God's tangible or manifest presence like a praying people. And one of our values as Gateway Church is to to be a people of the presence. To be a people who know God and reality amongst us. A God dwelling and working in our midst in very real and tangible ways. We don't want services or meetings that have everything there but God's not there. Want all those things but we want God there. We want God there. Samuel Chadwick said this. He said, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil and mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. And I want to encourage you, if you're listening in in, or you're sitting in the meeting this morning and you feel weak, I just want to say, that's okay. That's actually a good place to be. It's when we feel strong, there's trouble because we get self-confident. Time and again, we read how God actually weakens lives in order to manifest his presence and power. Read it in Scripture. We read it in church history. It may be that you're in that place of weakness that God's brought you to. And that's okay because God wants to manifest his presence. He wants to manifest his power, and his strength in your weakness. Wow. And for us as a church, better together, doing life together, this aspect of praying together, meeting up in twos and threes, coming together as a church to pray, to seek God's face, to see the the power and the importance of it. So next time we do such a thing, you know and something comes along to sort of distract you just just think about what's going on the enemy doesn't want you there because he knows the power of corporate prayer so let's just stand shall we as we draw this to a close i've thrown a lot out at you this morning very quickly but very importantly i hope you get something of the what it means to pray together so we praying together is the powerhouse of the church. Amen? Yeah? And uh, praying together is expression of our corporate dependence on God. Praying together is a place where we do life together. Praying together brings the fullness of the Spirit and enables us to keep in step with the Spirit. Praying together is essential to hearing what God is saying to the church. Praying together attracts the tangible presence of God. Oh, Father, as we draw to the end this morning, we are a people hungry for your presence. God, I I realize that so often I've, I've done things in your name and through my knowledge, but I wonder sometimes whether I've done them in your power. And I I stand here before you in my weakness this morning and say, God, I need your strength. God, we stand here in our weakness this morning. In the present situation of COVID 19, all that keeps throwing at us, we stand here in our weakness and vulnerability and say, God, we need you. God, we need you. God, we need you to turn up amongst us in new and mighty ways. We don't want to do religion. We want that reality of your your presence powerfully in our midst. We want that reality of your presence powerfully working in us, transformation powerfully working in us to, to pray so that heaven comes down. And we see something happen in our lives and through this church that impacts this town and beyond that we can't imagine even at this moment. God, we're saying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Make us a more importunate people in prayer, a people who will not pray lamely, but a people who will pray until we have an answer, a people who will learn together to pray together until heaven comes, and then we'll keep on praying to keep heaven amongst us that we might know the glory of your presence and your kingdom coming in ever-increasing measures. Oh, Lord, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, fill us individually and corporately afresh with your Holy Spirit. Do what you want to do amongst us. Break out amongst us in new and mighty ways that, Lord, we would have revival in our generation, that we would see the work of God expanding in ways that we could not imagine at this moment in time. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen.